Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast, bringing you heartwarming and real conversations with teachers on the front line of education from across the country. I am Karen Sarah Watson, and I am a teacher. This podcast is for those who want to better understand the experiences of today's teachers. Come join us. Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to have Megan Welch all the way from Philadelphia. Megan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Tell me about yourself, what you teach, and where you teach. Well, thank you for having me, Karen. I'm, I'm honored to be a part of this. Um, I'm from Philadelphia originally. Um, I lived in New York for many years and started to uh, take classes, um, American Sign Language classes. And when I moved back to Philadelphia, I continued to pursue uh, the American Sign Language and visited several schools and noticed that people were working with the deaf individually there, um, either in classrooms or in mainstream settings. And I said, I think I want to do this. And um, so I started, you know, on the road to studying and getting my master's in deaf education. And uh, from there... I taught at a couple deaf schools, and then I started teaching for the Philadelphia School District, and they are vastly different uh, animals. Beasts. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They are. You know, they're. They're. You know, it was. A, it was. Um, I think I've been doing. I've been working for the Philadelphia School District for about seven or eight years, and it was a dramatic change. Wow. So tell me about. Um, well, first of all, I'm so curious about how you're doing this now during the pandemic, during remote learning? What does that look like for you? So um, as an itinerant, which means I have a caseload uh, of about 20 to 30 students, um, I have 10 schools that are exclusively mine. Um, and if there are any deaf or hard of hearing students there with IEPs, I provide services. So I also develop you know, relationships with parents because several of my students have parents who are also deaf or hard of hearing. So um, when the quarantine, um, with the lockdown happened, you know, it was very uh, unnerving for, for them, even more so because they were concerned about how they were going to communicate. And initially, um, a few of the parents wanted to use Zoom because it's something that they use all the time, the deaf and the hard of hearing, that's their platform. Um, but we were mandated to use um, Google Meet exclusively. And uh, one of the parents wrote a really long um, letter advocating for the needs of the deaf and that, you know, the, Google Meet is a, a bit pixelated and the timing isn't exact. And therefore, it's not conducive to, to signing. And uh, this parent was advocating uh, for her child to use Zoom because it does, it's not pixelated and it moves you know, at a more accurate speed. And that was denied. And I have a wonderful boss who's very supportive. Um, he was a, a, an American Sign Language interpreter for years, so he knows what we experience. And he brought it to his boss and his boss brought it to their boss and it was not accepted. It was denied. And That's so, unbelievable. That's you know, unbelievable. I, I suppose I have to be careful. I don't know, but um, <laughs> I mean, if you look at your IEPs and you look at what we're legally mandated to do, we have to do what the parent wants, you know, within, and we have to follow the IEP. And if the IEP states that their least restrictive environment is uh, Zoom, then 
you know, I have some parents and I meet their, their, um, their children on Zoom on occasion just to have conversations. But I can't actually record that as a service. And that's a disservice that I can't say, well, yes, I've provided the services that I'm supposed to provide to my student because they won't allow the platform that they need. It's crazy. Did that make sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense. Yeah. So I, what happened? How did, how was this resolved? I mean, most of my students can use Google Meet. Most of them, the great majority of them are hard of hearing. So their loss isn't so severe. They can hear me. Um, so I'll meet with them on Google Meet and we work on hearing support and academics. But for the students who sign exclusively, they prefer Zoom. And so um, it, it's been a, a really strange ride other than that one student where I have a relationship with the parent. They're like, we really want him to see you and talk to you and communicate with you. You know, even if it's not academics, even if it's not hearing support, um, just that he's having conversations with you. He needs that. He needs that connection. Yeah. Um, but we're doing it through all through Google. And, um, you know, we're generating our own slides. Um, it's really hard to do auditory therapy online for those students who we just work with them exclusively on auditory training. That's difficult. A lot of the times they don't show up, some of them. I have about six that come regular, regularly, and I am the rare exception. Most of my colleagues say that a lot of their parents aren't responsive. They're overwhelmed. I think the parents are overwhelmed. So wait, so uh, let me ask you a question, because I, I, in the New York City public school system, they, we were on Zoom, and then they took us off Zoom because of the Zoom bombing, that, that people were bombing Zoom, and then they fixed it. And now we're back on Zoom, which totally messed things up. But I mean, now we're happily back on Zoom, right. but with a lot of restrictions. So why isn't Philadelphia doing that? I don't know. Philadelphia, I had a friend in New York City. I worked at a school for a while in New York City. And I worked with a woman who recently came to Philadelphia. And she teaches the deaf and hard of hearing. We're a very small program, so we all know one another. And she sat in one of her first meetings, and she was hearing about all the litigations and lawsuits. And she turned to me and she said, oh my God, Philadelphia is so litigious. She said, it's not like this in New York. Uh, we, um, so a lot of what we, what it seems to me, a lot of the ways that we approach things here in Philadelphia is fear-based. Let's make sure we um, uh, narrow our focus just to one thing so that we don't get in trouble. And I don't mean my colleagues, I mean the whole administration. Um, so they chose Google Meet and they said it's safer, but I've gotten really uh, strange uh, um, Google emails from people that I don't know. Oh, you're so handsome, I'd love to meet you. So that kind of squashed that. What? I'm not kidding, so that kind of squashed the idea of Google being, um, you know, right, yeah, and so, but, you know, I did notice that New York was using Zoom with their students. Like when I go on Facebook and I watch what my friends are doing and they talk about being on Zoom. And I thought, why can't we use it? It doesn't make any sense. So wait, what, so what happened to that child whose parent really wanted them on Zoom? Oh, I, I have conversations with, I work with that student. Um, if I get in trouble, I get in trouble. I, I, I have to, you know, I have to trust the IEP, I mean, the, the process and, you know, the least restrictive environment for that student is that platform. So I can only yeah. use that as a defense. And 
it, it probably wouldn't come to anything unless the parent complained, which she's not because she, this is how she needs it to be for her child. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been isn't that, isn't that discriminatory though? If, if well, that's the platform. I would imagine that it is like if it, I know a few interpreters that said, I hope I can be frank here. Screw yes. this. Yeah. You know, they said, my student, I FaceTime with them because that's the way that they, that's the platform that they're most comfortable with. And these are really incredible professional um, teachers and interpreters that have been doing this for 20 years. It's just, um, it's, you know, we have a lot of students coming in for early intervention and they have to register at their, uh, at their home schools before we decide if they need to be in deaf schools or, um, or the you know the mainstream and they're not registering because I don't I don't think they know how I think I think everybody's just really confused I wish I could give you a more linear idea wow. no I mean no but this is what we this is what we need to hear about like what you know what's really happening so how do you deal with that as, as their teacher um well I've known you I knew you when we were younger but I I I follow the IEP and I develop strong relationships with most of my parents and I give them the student what they need. Yeah. So I kind of go out a little outside the box if I have to. Yeah. I mean, that's what, cause you're yeah. a great teacher and that's what we have to do as teachers. Yeah. We have to, otherwise our, our students are going to get served. And how do you service these students with special needs? I mean, that is truly unbelievable. Well, I, you know, a lot of the autistic support, um, teachers are struggling too um, because we have different um, Google classrooms that um, present different uh, platforms, different activities, uh, different ways of reaching students that don't always correspond to the needs of, of the autistic, uh, you know, deaf community, even though they're different. But they're, they're again, also expressing frustration with how to approach how they normally do services and translating it onto, you know, digital. Wow. So I'm, I'm curious also, I've been wondering about this, about we're all supposed to wear masks and I'm curious how, um, how deaf students are, how they're dealing with that. Um, if, if they can't read lips. Well, we're thinking about the upcoming school year and we all just had a conversation. Do, do we think we're returning in September? And most of us, our gut tells us that we think it's going to be later than that. But we're going to have to have those masks, and I'm sure they're going to order them for us. You know, they, they have to. The great majority of them lip read if they don't sign. You know, so that will definitely be uh, mandatory. We have to. So what happens to them? The students, well, if we don't go back in September or the students... Well, the students, if, if, if they lip read and right. people are wearing masks, then... Well, we're going to have to get... We've all been looking into the masks that have that opening. Have you seen them? The plastic... Oh, got it. Yeah, they, they, the, there are certain masks that they're making that have, like, plastic in the middle so that you... They're, you know, see-through so that you can watch someone's lips. Yeah. Um, but, but it's been... A, it's, you know, we don't know when we're going back. Nobody knows. You know, we have to test all of these kids um, who are coming from preschool to kindergarten, and we've been told that we cannot do any evaluations or reevaluations online. We can do no testing, we can do no assessments. So I guess we'll find out 
in September? I mean, I hope it doesn't take that long to find out, but I'm not sure. I'm wondering, are you more organized? I mean, it's the New York uh, City School District. (laughs) 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 No, we're not. Nobody's organized. I mean, somebody out there. So you know who's organized? Like private schools are organized. I find that like when I talk to teachers who are from private schools, they seem to have everything together. And I feel like that they've trained for this. Like they, they, they have more online assistance that they've been doing online for a long time. Um, I talked to teachers from schools that um, have just been like, been training all along how to use Google Meets and they've been doing it for so long. And so it's like they transitioned really well, but like the New York City school system is probably just as antiquated as as yeah, as Philly, and um, so we were left with we had no idea what like it's, when it happened, what we were doing, and teachers. I mean, thank God for the the, thank God for teachers who just rallied and learned it. They just yeah. learned it, and I think it's all a, a free for all. Like we just have to figure it out ourselves. And I think I mean teachers are we're very very supportive of each other. Right. But no, no, we don't know what's happening in September either. Right. Um, none of us have a clue. I mean, they, they, they sometimes say things on the news that de Blasio was talking about, oh, we, we can go back to normal, but are we, re- how, it's not that far away. And how is that really going to happen? So yeah. what is that don't, normal yeah, look like? Don't feel like, don't feel like you're alone in Philly because I, <laughs> you know, but I, I am deeply concerned about special needs kids, like how they're getting serviced right now and how, um, how that must feel as a teacher to not we have a great support um system um you know on facebook and uh you know other places and the teachers are, are sharing a lot of resources it's just it's it's hard to juggle i think in some strange ways it's brought because i'm an itinerant it's brought me closer to the lot a lot of the teachers um at the schools because typically i'll just run in grab the student, take them out, work on what they need to work on and run back in and drop them off and go to my next school. And like, I've had phone call conversations with some teachers and um, more so than I normally would have the chance to. So there is a light in that chaos right now. And, and everybody is um, doing the best that they can and sharing what they have, which is, is a great thing. But my sons, my two boys are in a different school district. I'm in a small suburb outside of Philly and they were on point instantly. I mean, the like Google Classroom, you know, lessons every week, um, you know, everything was animated and I was like, how are they ready? Did they know something that we didn't know? So, That's so funny. I was going to ask you, how has it been being a mom uh-huh. of two boys and also being a teacher? How are you balancing that? I don't know. And, um, at first, I, for my youngest, he loves school. So he's, he's in second grade. He doesn't get that much work every day. So I've been pushing him to do more and go further, which I've enjoyed. My oldest son uh, is in middle school and does not like school. And he I- does in middle school. <laughs> I, the thing, like I didn't like school until I went to college. So I'm trying to find that balance between pushing him and letting him be who he is because I certainly wondered why I needed algebra in seventh and eighth grade. You know, I also said, I'm not going to use this. Why do I need it? But I'm a big advocate for vocational schools and finding those specific gifts in kids and like kind of moving them in that direction. But I know that's another topic altogether. 
But, um, but you know, in conclusion, their entire uh, curriculum was, was completely uh, on point from the gate. That's, oh, that's amazing. I mean, I'm glad that for you that you didn't have to worry about balancing that with trying to find your way through your own system. Yeah, I mean, and they'll come over once in a while and wave to kids. And I've had a couple parents say, um, can, can my son or daughter talk to your sons, uh, you know, because it helps them with their communication skills. And I'll, I'll let that happen. And I know that's not something that's normally a goal uh, on an IEP. But what I do like is that um, I'm very much about peer mentoring. So I love that the kids are actually communicating with my kids. Oh, that's great. Um, that's been interesting, but three hours a day. We have to work three hours a day, and about an, an hour and a half is uh, office work, whatever that right. means, right. preparation, and then the other hour and a half, we should try our best to get in contact with students. And I, I guess I've been more successful than, than some of my colleagues, so I'm not going to complain too much. Yeah, so you've had other colleagues have really difficult time getting their students... Well, yeah, the parents don't respond or the parents don't know how or they're overwhelmed with the academics, so they're not even going to think about hearing therapy. Some of the kids have loner hearing aids <coughs> that were left in the buildings and we're trying to get a hold of some parents to say, you know, the nurse will meet you at school and give you those hearing aids. Your, your child has a severe or profound loss, hearing loss and needs them and with some of the parents, we're not getting any response. And that's scary because some of the kids really need them. They can't hear at all. Uh-huh. So, and that opens up another issue where, you know, we'll provide loner hearing aids through our, through our audiologists, but we try to push them to get their own personal hearing aids because once they go home, they're supposed to leave their hearing aids at school. Once they go home, they don't hear anymore, some of them. That's a big, big problem. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the other question is, the students that are not responding or the parents that are not responding, how do we get them back? It's funny because I have one parent that keeps telling me that he'll do whatever he can when he gets home to his son from work and he appreciates me so much. And at least I'm making that connection, but then the student never goes on to, um, and it's really easy. Like I, I've given him, there's a website called hear builder, like hearing with your ears builder and, uh, they're fun activities and I can progress, like I can watch their progress and collect data and, you know, but he just won't go on. So I just keep trying. And some of us actually said, some of my colleagues and I were talking today and we said, sometimes we feel like stalkers because we're begging these parents just to take, you know, 15, 20 minutes you know, we would even go through it with them to figure out how to get into the, and honestly, I know this kid who, who hasn't gotten into this program. He's very computer savvy. You know, he can get in. I've emailed him. He's answered my emails. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't know. How do you get them back? Right. It's, I'm just curious when, when things get to back to if what we want to call normal, I don't think anything will ever be normal again, but. Oh, no, Karen. Um, Right. <laughs> it is. It's you scary. Um, defining normal, right? I know. Do Do your students talk to you about their feelings? Like, do you do you act also as a kind of a therapist too at times? Do you think? Yeah, we we. I kind of uh, always have. I have a student who is writing a paper right now, a five paragraph uh, essay on on why if we should 
lift quarantine right now or not, or if we should wait. And she mentioned like income and she was asking me, is it really that bad? You know, I, and I let her know that there are some people that, you know, haven't received unemployment checks and I explained what that meant to her. So she, you know, and she was fascinated and also, you know, because they don't know their kids, right? You know, their kids. So, um, I basically sent her pros and cons for each part of her paper. I sent her articles with pros and cons so that then she could make her decision. But we can't even make that decision. How do we expect I know. kids to make like some sort of definitive uh, argument for, right. you know? Um, my kids, it's funny, they're acting a bit as if it's normal and that scares me a little bit too, like my own kids. Like, and I, that really troubles me. Like, this is not okay that you're stuck inside. I mean, it is what it is right now, but don't forget your freedom. Don't forget what it feels like to run outside. Right. And like, I don't want them to integrate this too much where they, like, what are they losing? What are they losing right now? We won't know until. Until, yeah, we won't know that. On the other side, right. But, but on a totally separate note, the other yeah. thing that I love seeing about you, so just for those uh, no, that Megan and I went to college together, we went to Syracuse, we were musical theater majors way back in our other jobs, in our other lives. Right. But I noticed that you and your husband do, are like a singing duo. So can you tell me a little bit about what you do for fun on the side? Well, I, I, that is my salvation, let me tell you. Um, I didn't sing for years. I was always nervous to sing. I don't know if you know, but I was musical theater my first year, and then I switched to just straight acting. That's right. Um, and I was always, I sang my whole life, but I was always really nervous singing in public. So um, he just kind of opened that door again for me, and I love it. So we, we sing together, and we also have a band, but we really haven't been able to play together because of the quarantine. But we've been doing porch concerts. Um, I love that. And at first I thought, I said to him, I said, Frank, we're going to bother people. What if they don't, you know, if they're doing things? He's like, what are they doing? He said, they're inside. They're stuck inside. And we started and all our neighbors came out. And we have wonderful houses with big porches. And, you know, people would come out on their porch and thank us. And they would say this, you know, we need this. You know, my neighbors across the street have babies and they need that break yeah so it's been it's been uh it's been one way that we felt like we could give back but we didn't know it was going to happen that way i love it i've been following you guys and listening to your little concerts and i just i wish i was your neighbor uh, <laughs> to be able I to know. hear you i can't imagine being in an apartment right now karen <laughs> it's, got yeah. it's got it's got its challenges but anyway i just so I'm just, you know, I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about um, the work you do because it's so courageous and really wonderful. And I, I, I'm sure there's times where you don't even know the difference you're making with children. And so, and I, I'm here to tell you, you're making a huge difference. And the fact that you're helping um, deaf children um, is incredible. And I haven't talked to anybody. I've talked to people who are working with special needs, but I haven't talked to anyone who's done the work that you're doing. And I know that it's a frustrating time, but know that like what you're doing is amazing. Well, thank you. I love what you do. That would have been my dream to teach <laughs> theater. I mean, um, 
do you have those times where you don't notice that you're making a difference too? I mean, does all it have, the time, all I the know, time. You hear it from someone else who is also a teacher because you. Yeah, hear I think. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's part of the reason I wanted to do the podcast is I wanted to acknowledge teachers. I don't feel like we're acknowledged enough. I think that it's more negative out there, negative press out there, negative, you know, so much just things that are said like it's the teacher's fault. What's wrong with the teachers? Oh, they're protesting. Why do they need more money? Don't they, they have vacations, you know, and I don't think people know enough about teachers, which is why I wanted to do this podcast. And I wanted to bring on people like you, like real teachers, um, to tell real stories so that other teachers out there don't feel so alone in their, in their struggles and their triumphs. No, I think it's great that you're doing this. We do need this. We need each other. Sometimes you'll see the most seemingly innocuous post about teachers being like thanking teachers and and the response is so much excitement from other teachers and the per right. person that posted it may not have realized what a like profound impact it would have because we are used to being told we're doing things wrong yes exactly yeah. so you know, so, so you, Megan Welch, need to know that you're doing something right. And I'm honored to have you on the podcast. And thank you so much for being part of it. And, um, and you know, I wish you all the luck with your students. And I'll just, I'll, you know, I'll check in with you, in a, in, you know, maybe later on in the year and see how, how things turned out. I would love to see how that, that turned out. Yeah, once we go back to school, I would love that. Karen, thank you for having thank, me. Thank you so much. This has been the Warriors of Education podcast dedicated to all the hardworking teachers across this country. We hear you, we see you, we honor you. Thank you.